Welcome back to another edition of Banter Clock. I'm your host, Ethan Ryder, with the other hosts, Nicholas Hodel, Michael Bosky, and Alvin Roden. We've got a lot to talk about today. Of course, there's been an international break, so no actual Premier League action over this past week, but there's been tons of international soccer. All of us can't really be mad that there's soccer happening, but in terms of an international break and the fact that there's a pandemic going on right now, I personally think it's kind of ludicrous that it's happening in the first place. It doesn't really make sense to me if people are truly afraid of this virus and of COVID in this pandemic that they're going and sending out players from professional teams to play in games that in reality don't really matter except for the qualifiers that we saw. Those were the only games that really mattered and some of the European championship games. But what do you guys think about the international break even happening? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I think my biggest issue is that if there's such a huge problem with like traveling and, and basically interacting with players from other leagues, uh, I mean, that is a serious issue with this. I mean, we're looking at just, let's just take England, for example. There's, I mean, there's players from all different leagues. There's players, I mean, they're traveling back and forth. And that's literally what the government has been telling us not to do. And so I'm not really sure how, why or how this is sort of working. And I feel like in the end, this is going to become a big issue if some players get COVID and it's going to affect the rest of teams around the world. So, I mean, in terms of soccer, it's been fun to watch. And I understand having international soccer, obviously, but these international friendlies, I, I don't see any reason for it. I, I don't know what's going on with that. And I'm sure some of you guys agree or disagree, but I'm curious to know. Oh, yeah, I, I to piggyback off of what you said, I think that, I mean, it's clear, you know, France, Portugal, a lot, everyone wanted to shake hands with Ronaldo, everyone wanted to get a picture with Ronaldo, and next thing you know, he gets positive for COVID, and <laughs> it's a huge scare, you know, everyone has to now check what's going on, uh, and that's just a, that's just Ronaldo, you know, that's Ronaldo, that's a, the epitome of what everyone wants to be. But imagine how many games are going on. Now, the other side is that, you know, World Cup qualification is starting. Uh, we're starting to get a little close. It's already been, uh, you know, postponed a little bit. I think FIFA is really, you know, they're kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place in terms of, you know, what should we do with qualifiers? How are we going to make money? How are we going to know who's going to qualify? Because it is a long process, and it definitely would not – be able to be happening all of 2021. And really, you also have European qualifiers still going on for the European Championships for next summer. And it's just one of those things to where you, 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 it's almost picking a tale of two evils here. Do you carry on international soccer and potentially affect all different sorts of leagues, even your own European club competitions as well? Or do you not have any of this happening right now? And you know, to push back the Nations League and even push back European qualifiers. And it's just a tale of two evils right now. And it is what it is, unfortunately. I mean, it's just one of those it things. It is what it is. Yeah. It, it's truly unfortunate, but that, that we're still going through this. And let, let, let's not pretend it's going to end anytime soon. It's not. And it's just one of those things to where we're not going to keep international football shut down for a good two years. And it's just one of those things that, you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches. And if you're affecting, like, 50 other competitions, then you may just have to find a, find a better plan for those international competitions going forward with testing and everything. No, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, like you said, I think you said it probably the best you could say it. I mean, it's pick your poison. You know, I mean, 
either you stop it and like Alvin said with qualifiers, I mean, you can't do that in a time unless you're playing right now, or you go ahead with it and players like Ronaldo get tested and they test positive. Um, but I mean, I mean, one of the things I hope I don't take someone's banter of the week. Cause I mean, I don't know if it's banter of the week or not, but the fact that <laughs> that Kamavinga got Ronaldo's Jersey and he said he wouldn't wash it. That was, my, that was literally my banter. Are you come on? He must uh, definitely has to clean that. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 I mean, that was a good one. Though. That was a good one. That was literally my banter, Ethan. I was like, please don't say Ronaldo. Don't talk about Ronaldo. I mean, you got to, you got to, you got to put it in the in the in the sheet, then, man. You got to. All right, all right. Are we going to go over banter? Are we going to go over banter now? We're gonna we're gonna wait on that. I mean, I feel like this. It definitely gave us a lot of banter this this week, but we'll get into that. I mean, we maybe we should give Michael some time to pick a new one. Now I feel bad, but I mean, you got to put it. You got to put it in the chat. You got to put no, it in the chat. I didn't see. I didn't see the name things. Like, it's you know, it's it's my fault. But we can talk more about it later. But we, uh, we can move on. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. You know, elaborate on the whole situation, <laughs> and maybe you come up with something else as well. We'll give you two this week. You know, uh, all right. But I mean, international break in general, like you were saying. I mean, I personally think similar to what Bosti was saying. It's if people are seriously. Like, it just – I feel like it doesn't add up, like, how people are reacting, but then how people are acting at the same time. So, like, we have players that are going out, playing in these competitions and these international games where they could easily get tested for COVID, they could easily get positive for COVID. But then, like – so the teams are allowing them to do that. International teams are allowing them to do that. And then if you get tested positive, you're out for two weeks or you're out for 10 days, or whatever it may be. And that seems like a huge consequence for games like the UEFA Nations League that mean absolutely nothing and it's just a glorified friendly. Like, those games I don't understand. The qualifiers, I, I understand that. But UEFA Nations League literally is just friendlies that they decided to make into a tournament so that they're not worthless international games. So that I just completely don't understand. To be honest, the, I'm no, going to say something you. real quick. You know what? I don't understand all the hate on Nations League. It gets so much hate. I mean, before Nations League, it was a whatever, qualifiers, your qualifiers. And I know you guys don't have to agree with me on this. But always, I've just been like, there's, I don't understand. If the games are going to be played either way, you're adding some competitive to, you know, you're adding something to make it a little more interesting. Obviously, they didn't want to have just friendlies and Euro qualifiers before World Cup qualifiers. It's adding, it adds a little more spice. I don't know. I mean, the games are going to be played either way. Why does it matter what the format is? If anything no, – I- I agree with that. Like, I think that it's a great idea because, like you said, they're going to be played anyways. At least glorify them and make them something that is actually – there's some sort of interest in it. There's a trophy at the end of it, right? But in terms of a pandemic, if people are truly truly scared of this pandemic and they feel like this pandemic is something that can seriously cause harm for the players, for people around the club, then a glorified friendly, which I agree with you, it's a lot better that they ended up doing it, that, I feel like, would be the first thing that you cut off in a time like this. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I think right now everything is – the rule The rule book changed completely. We can't be doing things like how we did a couple of years ago and anything. You know, right now it's a completely new world, and football is changing. It's a modern sport. The game is changing, and everything that has to change along with it will, will come. All right. So we talked a little bit about it. A lot of us seem like we don't really understand – Maybe why it's happening, but they still are soccer games, and we all, of course, probably watched a couple of them, if not 
all of them, probably Bosky would watch all of them, I feel like. I don't know. But, you know, he seems to do nothing but watch soccer games, which is awesome, and we love him for it. But, you know, there are games that happen. England 2, Belgium 1. I don't really know why I just attacked Bosky for that, but yeah. sometimes you just – like, I, I do, yeah. <laughs> so I was just – I mean, I didn't even attack him for it. I kind of – you know, tried to save myself from attacking him, but hey. I, yeah, I was a, I was a bit sus. I'm not, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still, I'm still a little mad that you didn't put it in the rundown, and now I feel bad, so I have to, like, exactly. back myself for it by attacking you again. I don't know. I'm a terrible human being. But first game I will talk about, England 2, Belgium 1. I mean, it was a, to be honest with you, there was, it wasn't a bad game. I mean, I, I think it's big for England, but at the same time, given England's performance in a game we'll talk about later, it wasn't a great performance, I guess. What do you guys think? No, it was not a great performance, but, I mean, it was it was the result they needed, and it was against a, a very good Belgium team. And uh, I think, honestly, my biggest takeaway was the fact that England came from behind and won because that's something that – that they really have struggled with in the past. And honestly, I was a bit surprising. Lukaku, he had a penalty. And I just want to um, point out that he has been ridiculous for Belgium. Like, it's been yeah. like – he's on, like, a record pace of goals for not only just Belgium, he, for any player. I mean, he's scored one number 43 one, yeah. goals in the last 44 appearances for Belgium. That is insane. And especially – um, after getting so much hate when he was at United, coming to Inter, and he's been, he's been, you know, he's been rejuvenated, revitalized, it seems. And that's just carried over to international play. And it's really exciting to see him scoring, whether it be penalties or Alvary scores. But, I mean, just another goal for him. England played well. Um, Marcus Rashford converted a penalty, which was, you know, for Manchester United players, sometimes sometimes that's a little that's a little uh, difficult, but and I ain't used to it. <laughs> yeah, it, but Never it was done. a good performance by England. Um, probably their best defensive performance, I would say, um, of the Nations League. Even though they did win, I think it was three three zero uh, last week. Uh, the only reason I say it's better is simply because they played a better team, and um, no one got sent off. So that was that was a big takeaway. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I think uh, just quickly, you know, I agree with everything you say. I think it's a huge win for England, you know, a little rematch of the World Cup uh, matchup. And it's they weren't able to win the group stage match and a third place, uh, third place final match. So now they're winning the Nations League. I wonder if that, you know, Belgium maybe aren't, weren't 100%. But it's a big win. It wasn't, I don't think it was an England team that you would say, this is sort of a lot of rotation. Uh, I think they were really, just really happy about that. And, of course, I'm very happy for Rashi. And coming back from their 1-0 down after Lukaku's pen to eventually win that match in the second half, it's got to show something for the character of the team. And that has to be something that cannot go unnoticed against a team as talented as Belgium. An extremely impressive performance. And I don't know much, I'm not even sure if that even outweighs like, against Denmark. We'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think – I don't know if I said it on this show. I might have said it on an earlier show. But um, not this show. I mean, banter clock. I might have said it on the other show that I'm part of. But I, I swear, I said this before this. Lukaku, I literally said he was going to be fantastic as soon as he left United. I don't know what all the hate was right. for him. Because in it was the 2018 World Cup. As soon as I saw him in the 2018 World Cup, 
I was sold. This man for Belgium was absolutely insane. Like the the blend of him, De Bruyne, Hazard all together on a team was just disgusting. And we've seen him at Inter Milan doing very similar things that we saw him do when he was at Everton with just driving forward, pace, strength, finish. And then maybe his touch isn't the greatest touch in all of soccer, but it's been absolutely hated. But in this game in particular, I think I kind of agree with Bosk in the point that they came from behind. They got a win against a Belgium team that is a very strong team in world football. And so, I mean, the Mason Mount goal, maybe there's a little bit of luck with a deflection. The team maybe didn't play their best, but sometimes you just got to find a way to win. And under Gareth Southgate, whether he's the right man for the job, we'll probably talk a little bit later, but they got the win. And I think that's kind of what you have to go with at the end of the day. They got the win. Maybe it wasn't pretty, but they got three points. So moving on, Germany three, Switzerland three. This was a shock result, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Switzerland's not a bad team, but – Players on the Germany national team, a lot of them on Bayern that are a team that are just hot as can be, and other players that you just think are way more talented than a Switzerland side. But they go down 2-0 early, come back, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Chelsea duo. Nabry ends up getting the equalized in the 60th minute, a red card laid on. What did you guys see from this game? Um, uh, I'll, go, I'll, go first. Uh, I'll go first. Um. I mean, not to not to focus too much on uh, or not to dis- discredit Switzerland, but uh, just to talk about Germany. I mean, Germany. Good four or five years now, I would say. I mean, Havertz, Werner, Gnabry are just absolutely sensational. I mean, Gnabry's goal was just nuts. I mean, what a touch and what a player he's become. But. I mean, Timo Werner is, and Kai Havertz, they gotta, they're definitely keeping Chelsea fans excited with how they're playing internationally. I mean, I know they haven't necessarily shown um, their talent for a club, but for country so far this year, they've played very, very well. And it was impressive to see them fight back from an early 2-0 deficit to a Switzerland team that, like Ethan said, is not a super talented team, nothing that is going to cause harm to any of the, probably the top 10 teams in the world even, but a, a good team nonetheless. But, you know, it was a good result. They got a draw, and I think uh, a lot of their attacking players shined, which was good to see. Yeah, obviously huge result for Switzerland to get at least at the point against Germany. But I think I, this reminds me of the Chelsea-West Brown game. You know, it proves more that Switzerland maybe not be as strong as we think in Germany. It, I mean, it, this really – I mean, to fall behind, goals can be scored quickly. Switzerland is no bad team by any means uh, necessary. And so I think that Germany, Germany – I mean, what, 3-3 with Turkey as well. I don't know what's going on with their defense. Jogi Love might need to look into that. But I think that, you know, Germany, uh, they have a lot of names. They have a lot of, you know, media concern now because of Bayern, because of Havertz and Bernat, Chelsea. And it might, that, that has an effect too. I think it might be getting to them. They have a lot of spotlight on them. Poor World Cup, so it's kind of like a new uh, transition period right now. Uh, we'll see what happens in 2022, but these are – it's a little, it's a little worrisome, and also considering that they barely beat Ukraine as well, uh, it's a little worrisome to to see that Germany is struggling to get points against teams that are not that, you know, that that strong. And it's it's one of those opportunities that Germany really need to take advantage of as well, uh, especially in a 
group that is extremely tight in the race for that top spot to move on to the Nation League Finals. And this was definitely a result that I'm sure Germany wasn't exactly looking for, especially as a Switzerland team that is looking like they are probably going to get relegated out of Ligue A. Uh, it'll be something to where the last couple of matches in that group are going to be extremely fascinating to see who comes out on top of that group for his place in the Nations League Finals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you guys said, maybe it's a little worrisome for Germany. I mean, a tie to Switzerland isn't the greatest result, but I mean, I guess maybe at least they got a point. But we'll move on unless you guys have anything else to say. Italy versus Netherlands ended up in a draw. Pellegrini scored the first goal for Italy after a pretty strong first beginning of the game. And then Van de Beek scored an absolute screamer. That Yeah, it was close. I don't know why he shot it so hard from close. But, I mean, heck, it went in the top corner, so you can't really fault him. Yeah, it so. it was, I mean, it was, it was a strike and a half. But the real thing I want to talk about, as someone who follows Atlanta United, Frank DeBoer hired at Netherlands makes absolutely zero sense to me. It makes no sense to me at all. I, don't, I can't understand why you would decide to put Frank DeBoer in a team that looked like they were back at the top of international football and hire him. I get, I get Komen left. Komen was a strong coach for them. But then to bring in Frank DeBoer, who like the last three teams he's played for, he's just taken the life out of every single team that he's coached. To bring him in makes absolutely no sense to me. No, yeah, I, I think the Boer is a terrible choice. Truly, 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 you know. Um, now, the, obviously, I understand he is a Netherlands legend. You know, he, uh, I think that when you look at Frank de Boer, you have someone that can identify with the orange colors, you know, the, that can maybe understand a total football. You know, he did do well with Ajax. Um, you know, back in the beginning of his coaching career. But as you said, Ethan, it's just like at Inter Crystal Palace and United, he was, I mean, he destroyed teams. He destroyed teams. And he was not, I mean, he's one of the most unattractive managers, I think, in the world right now. And especially, I mean, he ruined an Atlanta United team that was the best in the MLS, which, I mean, you can't let that, you can't, sort of, we'll see what happens. I think it's a little different because it's national team um, than managing a club team. But maybe not as much say, but still, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, he can redeem himself and shut us all up. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything Alvin said. I'm just going to basically add on to the point with Netherlands just look, they look very, very poor uh, under Frank DeBoer. Not even, I mean, getting a draw against Italy, that's, that's whatever. I mean, Italy's a solid team. They're on the rise again. A young team. But, I mean, Netherlands, they just look so stagnant everywhere. They look slow and sluggish. I don't know whether that's you know, just not playing together too much. And maybe it's the pandemic and everything. But, I mean, this is a pattern we've seen from Frank DeBoer's teams in the past. So I'm starting to believe that this maybe this isn't anything pandemic-related. And this is just the style he likes to play. Um, it's disappointing to see. And, I, again, I, have, I don't know why they chose him of all people. I probably was because of who he was as a player at uh, Ajax and Barcelona. It's, it's a very perplexing hire. And I, I'm sure if they wanted someone that uh, sort of identified themselves with the famous orange of the Netherlands, they probably could have had a better choice as well. Uh, but, you know, all things considered, this is a draw. And this is another one of those very competitive groups in Lee A as all these teams, Poland, Italy, and the Netherlands in particular, 
fighting for that top place to advance into the Nations League finals. And this is another group to where if the Netherlands can pull off a couple of wins, they are definitely right in position. They're going to need some help, obviously, from Poland and Italy. But I still think the Netherlands are in a decent position. Not necessarily a strong position, but if they can find a way to win their next two games in Nations League, they should be in a decent little position. Yeah, and I mean, I think we all agree it's a perplexing hire. The thing that I don't get the most is the team were at the peak of in a long time that Netherlands have been at, right? Like they, they were, I mean, they're looking like they had, I mean, they had Van Dyke at the back. Delic was someone that was coming up. They had Depay, who's been amazing for Lyon, was maybe going to get a move to Barcelona. They have Frankie de Jong in the midfield. Gini Wijnaldum is a revelation for Netherlands. I don't know how he can score goals for them and not for Liverpool. I mean, they had all of the pieces. And then the best coach they can get is De Boer. Like, it just – it doesn't add up. Like, it just seems like they could have gotten a way better coach than who they got. What are some other options they could have gotten? I mean, a Dutch coach. Are there any other Dutch coaches that are open right now? I mean, it I might have been just – I think they had two other options. I believe one of them might have been the Ajax coach, the uh, – I mean, that's a young manager. He's proven. And that's like, you know, it's a, that's, a, that's a face of, the, of a rejuvenation right there. I mean, I, agree. I don't know what they're thinking. I, I mean, it might have been a quick hire. I mean, maybe they're like, well, I mean, he'll be bad like he's been at almost every other place. And now <laughs> it's just, I, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> Moving on, we'll talk about Croatia versus France. Croatia won France too. Um, I mean, I guess we could go to Bosky first since Griezmann got the first goal. Oh, um, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Um, well, um, yeah, he scored. What a goal it was. I mean, to give credit to Griezmann, I and mean, he's been – he's always sensational in international play. And especially, um, especially, I guess, especially in the last game against Croatia, I mean, he had a – a beautiful goal to the left foot, hit the top of the bar, went down. You could not have struck it any better. And I'm wondering why he won't do the same at Barcelona or doesn't even look like he wants to attack, to be honest with you. But um, for France, he looks sensational. And it was, a, it was a great game to watch. I did watch this game. And um, just because it was a rematch, you know, the World Cup final, and maybe something sensational would happen, and it did. And, I mean, to me, I think the biggest – I mean, my – the best thing to watch was I think I think it was Dinier's cross to Mbappe for the winner was just perfect. It was it was a beautiful pass, and I mean any striker in the world probably would have finished that, especially if your name is Kylian Mbappe. And um, I mean this French team still they still look like probably the best international team in the world right now, maybe with Brazil, who we'll probably talk about later. Um, I mean some of the players. Uh, another take by Paul Pogba. I mean he looked. Great, and that's one of those things where maybe, maybe back to United. I mean, what like how are they not getting the best out of this player who just looks sensational in the Nations League so far? And you know, big win for France, obviously, and I'm sure they're going to continue this. Yeah, it's it was as you said, you know, is a rematch of the World Cup final. One team, pretty much, I think uh, both teams were complete, you know, pretty much different teams on uh, on a pitch than what we saw last time. Croatia completely renovated. Uh, Modric, pretty much the only big name, you know, and they still have that back of Lovren and Vida. But, you know, a new team, you know, no, no Rakitic, no uh, Kramaric, 
and big players that they that usually have have uh, played well for them. France, they brought out who they needed to. You know, Varane, Mbappe, Loris, Griezmann settled the game, and it was a good win. I think that France are my favorites for the next World Cup. I that's what I just seeing the consistency, the team that they have. Um, they they really exciting, and I don't see anything different with this France team than what I saw last World Cup. And this is a game when you look at the two lines that the teams brought up. This is a game that France should be winning anyway. Tables for the Nations League in this group. And it's Portugal and France neck and neck with each other. And this is going to be something that is very fascinating to see play out because next month we will get France and Portugal in the Nations League on the 14th of November. So that's going to be a very fun match to watch. That could pretty much determine who comes out of this group into the Nations League finals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I France are so good. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely an argument that this team is better than the team that won the World Cup. Because that team, I think that team had some weaknesses. Um the only thing that questions me with this France team is if Hugo Lloris can actually be Hugo Lloris or if they have a, a goalkeeper that can fill in that slot. But other than that, I mean, you have young talent coming up that will fill in exactly who you need to fill in that might have gotten old. You know, the likes of Matuidi getting old. I mean, slipping Kamavinga or Pogba or, I mean, there's tons of names that you just stick in there. I mean, you have Aor, you have... I mean, Digne at left back, you have Favard coming up. I mean, it is absolutely insane how much talent that they have. I mean, like Bosky said, Pogba's played great for France. Of course, maybe he hasn't played great for United. He's been injured. Maybe he hasn't had the greatest performances. But for France, he's looked great, and he came off the bench. I mean, that just, I think, speaks volumes to how good that team is. There's a lot of teams that we've talked about today that Pogba would have been slotted into the starting lineup. So that team is unbelievably talented. Yeah, I think it's important to just uh, prop to the champs. And also, just real quick, you know, realizing that this renovation is not even just young players. They put Stefan Nzonzi, you know, as center midfield. He's been having an amazing season with Ren, Champions League team. He's a proven midfielder. So it's... it's new generation can come through, and it can just be a new style of play. And it's amazing that this chance has been able to show that France style with all these amazing players. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's just, it, there's just so much talent, old and young, that they're just, they seem like they're going to be a dynasty in international soccer. But moving on to probably, in terms of people that watch the Premier League, which is what the show's about, this might have been one of the most controversial games of the international break. England versus Denmark. Denmark end up winning 1-0 on a Christian Eriksen penalty. I, I maybe don't want to do this to him, but I think we have to go to Alvin first with the Harry Maguire masterclass. Uh, Alvin, take it away. Harry Maguire. It's sad. It's sad. I feel I truly am hurting for him because he's a player that – Shined at Leicester, you know, amazing at Hull City, had a good future, came to United, and I'm telling you that he was good last season. But 
You know, I think this is one thing is proving. We talked about Lukaku before, the United shirt. The United jersey, I'm sorry. I think that is one of the heaviest jerseys that you can wear on this planet. Lukaku, Pogba, all these amazing players that are shining elsewhere. They put the United jersey on. It looks like, you know, it's Fabio, Rafael, <laughs> back there. It's just like, I can't, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that this is what we have to deal with. Maguire is another victim. Great player that uh, his mentality, I don't think, is ready for a team like United. Um, and it's affecting his international play. I think that this is a game for England. They should have been winning very easily. Similar team that they played against, that they, that they beat Belgium with, uh, a world-class side. And that's football for you. The ball is round. Anything can happen. Denmark was great defensively, great defensively, very strong. And I think that they deserve the, the, the three points completely. England did not deserve the three points. Very simple. Yes, and I want to focus on Harry Maguire a little bit. And just it's, to me, it seems like his head is not on the pitch. He's thinking about other things. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's how it should be for now. But, I mean, right now his brain is not on the pitch. I mean, look, the first challenge, it's understandable. I mean, it's a yellow card. But to, on a yellow card – to do what he did, yeah, just throw your body at someone rashly, with, yeah. with your left. I mean, he's a right-footed player. Just throw your left foot at a guy after an awful touch, mind you. I mean, that's – let's just talk, like take that away. It was awful touch by Maguire. But on a yellow card, you know you have to be safe in that. Maybe foul him, but don't – I mean, don't do it. I mean, don't tackle a guy. Not even – it was just – it was an egregious, egregious tackle. I mean, to and, be fair uh, – to be fair, he did get the ball. It was his trailing leg. But it was still very, oh, yeah, very, it, very reckless. Yeah, and I think McGuire, I think let's, if we're going to turn this on the Premier League, I mean, what what is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have to do? Because, I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you uh, basically remove this guy, it's going to create a whole world of problems for Harry McGuire. But also, you got to be thinking about your job. I mean, do you really think that this guy's going to be putting in a shift at center back? better or worse than any of the other players you have. I mean, it's a very tough decision, I think, this week for uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, either way, he's going to get criticized for it. So I think that's on, it's, just, it's just been a very rough week. And I've never seen a center back ever start a season worse than Harry Maguire has. Even David Luiz last year was not nearly as poor as Harry Maguire's been. I would, I would, I would challenge okay. anybody to give me a center back who's been worse this season, worse to start a season than Harry Maguire. Okay, big, big, big comparison here, though. David Luiz, David Luiz, the project restart, or Harry Maguire in the start of this season? It's Harry Maguire's far worse. Because David Luiz, he had one bad game. He, he had one bad game, which was pretty legendarily bad, but it was one game. Harry Maguire's been poor for the last yeah, five yeah. or six games. Not only that, it's like he's, it's not, he's failing and he's not trying either. Yeah, yeah. David Luiz will pass. He'll make a pass. That's all he does. He'll make a pass, but he doesn't make a tackle. He doesn't make a run. He doesn't use his strength. Yeah, he just gets oh, – uh, I can't deal with this guy anymore. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to hang out right now. <laughs> I swear to God, I hate this guy. Uh, Wait, but, but, okay. but, but big question, though. If you take Harry Maguire out of the starting eleven. Who replaces him? Bye. We want Bye. That's what every United. He's a, he's a great player. And he's a good player. He's a young player, but it's all we have. Yeah, who do you That's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, it's not like you have great depth at center back. Right? If you take him out, 
you put buy in, one person goes down injured. I guess you put them back in, or do you put? I mean, is Fosu Mensa still at United? Like, who who do you go? Oh, no, I don't want Fosu Mensa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obvious that we need to make signing. We need to make a signing. That's the one signing we need this whole entire summer, and we didn't get anyone. So it's just like we deserve whatever is coming for us. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what Pep would do. Pep would just be walking up to the boss saying, hey, I need about another 50, 60 million pounds on a decent center back. I know we've tried about 10 times, but we've already failed on those 10 times. And I need something to work this time. But you guys, you guys got two world-class center backs. I'm saying we could have gotten one of those. I would have been so happy yeah, with KRPS. And you got both of them. Oh, my God. And, and they're not even going to be starting. That's the craziest part, probably. That's the thing. They spent a bunch on Nathan Ake. Man, it's not starting over Ruben Diaz. Like, that's not happening. Unless they play him at left back, which is the only – it actually is logical because of how bad Benjamin Mendy's playing. But oh, God. Don't on him. Been, it would have been a great sign. I mean, yes, Ake's not probably not a world-class center back at this point in time, but he would have been a great signing for United. I mean, friendly, proven, strong. I mean, yeah, he's the best. he would be the best defender we have. Yeah. All right, so we'll move on from that game. Go on to games yeah. that, in my opinion, are the only ones that actually make sense that happened right now, the games that actually seem to make sense. The Conmebol, Con – oh, my gosh, I might have butchered that. No, Con- yeah, yeah, you're not bad, not bad. Conmebol, Conmebol World Cup qualifiers. There we go. That's right. That's right. Conmebol. <laughs> World Cup qualifiers. Exciting. Hey, these these qualifiers were exciting already. Yeah, they were. And I, I just gotta say real quick. I mean, we'll get into Argentina. So obviously, I'm excited, but you know, we have a hundred percent record so far. Two hard games, and then team. I mean, Uruguay lost and won a game. Brazil. I mean, it's already proving to be a nice little nice little qualifiers. I don't know. I can't make a prediction for the fourth or fifth team. I think I'm pretty strong with Argentina, Brazil, or Colombia. Everyone else, we got to see. But anyways, what's going on with Uruguay, Chile? All right, so let's, let's move into these. We got like 24 minutes left. We got two more segments after this. So let's get into these. Get, into get out kind of quick. Uruguay 2, Chile 1. Um, I mean, Uruguay struggled in the next game. We'll probably talk about that more than this one. But two pretty heavyweight in terms of gone mibble. Luis Suarez, Maxi Gomez scoring for Uruguay, Alexi Sanchez for Chile, what you would expect. Um, I, I guess, oh, see, you can't go to Basque. He doesn't play for Barca anymore. I mean, uh, Alexis Sanchez, oh, he doesn't play for United anymore. Nick, what did you think about this game? Um, this is um, a game that it, – it, it's, it's one of those things to where I think Chile has kind of fallen a lot from when they were winning back-to-back Copa Americas and – I think this is this is something to where I should have uh, picked up this win pretty solidly, and even though it took them a while, they they found a way to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, I mean the Uruguay game. It was thrilling to the end. Maxi Gomez with a beautiful goal to finish things off for Uruguay. And Uruguay is a team where I'm sure we'll talk about their other game. But I mean, they look. They're so black and white. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes you're going to get a performance like this where they look very solid defensively, solid attack. And then the other game, wow, they they were they got run off the pitch by, I believe it was Peru. Was it Peru or Ecuador? Ecuador? I think it was Ecuador. Ecuador. Um, where it was, it was 4-0 at one point, and I think it ended up 4-2. But I mean, Uruguay are a team that probably – Uruguay are definitely one of the stronger sides in, in Comabol. 
Uh, it's sad to see Luis Suarez scoring goals when they know he's not going to come back to the camp now, but he's still a professional player. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great game. It was a great game. It was a very fun one to watch. All right. So to save a little bit of time, we'll go to Bosky and Alvin. So Bosky tweeted out this week about Neymar. Apparently he got a little bit of flashback for it. He's holding up the jersey. <laughs> His Neymar MSN MSN days jersey. Of course, he oh. probably cried when he left. Talk about Brazil, Bosky. 5-0 win against Bolivia. 4-2 win against Peru. Neymar, Coutinho, Firmino. I mean, this team is stacked offensively, and they've put in some good performances. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, Brazil, these two games showed you everything that Brazil is. I mean, against Bolivia, they played against – the very weak. It was like they was the second team of Bolivia. They didn't play any of their strong players, even if, if you even think there are any. But I mean, again, <laughs> they, um, yeah, I apologize to our Bolivian listeners. Um, but Brazil were just, I mean, the only word I could describe that, that Bolivia Brazil game was just sexy, honestly. I mean, it was, it was beautiful to watch. I mean, they're on the ball. They were dancing on the ball, passing, making runs. Neymar was just sensational against Bolivia. I, I think he he had more uh, like yeah, it was it more uh, like he basically drilled past more people than Messi did. It was like he broke some sort of record. And um, two assists for Neymar, just again toying with defenders like he always does. Uh, Coutinho scored, which is nice to see. Firmino finally scored more than one goal in a game. I mean, that was, that was pretty impressive. But overall, you know, they, they showed their power. They showed how talented they really are. And against um, Peru, it was, a, it was a completely different game. Rather, rather than, you know, playing, knowing ahead, playing very, uh, I guess, sexy is the term that I used. But they had to fight. They really did. They, they were down twice in this game, 1-0 and 2-1. They had to fight back. Uh, Peru took it to them. And in the end, it was the quality – that Brazil has, which was the difference. Neymar got his hat trick, broke Ronaldo Nazario, El Fenomeno, his uh, Brazilian goal-scoring record. He's now he's second behind Pele. And um, I did, I tweeted out basically, I said, you know, people need to stop hating on this guy for flopping, for whatever he does, partying, because, I mean, at his best, he is, in my opinion, he is up there with Ronaldo and Messi. He can eat at the same table. He is sensational. He's carried two teams now, or helped carry two teams to the Champions League finals. I mean, he won a gold medal with Brazil. And, I mean, his goal scoring internationally is better than Ronaldo and Messi as far as goals per game, which is just nuts to think about. And, I mean, he's sensational to watch. He's the most fun player in the world, in my, in my opinion, to watch. And he's only 28. I mean, people forget that. He, he's only 28 years old, and he just looks amazing. And I think that Brazil are, are probably going to end up being favored to win the World Cup in 2022 behind some of the players they have. And they still have young players, Rodrigo, Vinicius. I mean, two attackers that are going to be great for years to come. So it's – You sure Neymar isn't in that room with you right now? <laughs> You're giving us some nice advertisement. <laughs> no, I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get him back to Barcelona. but yeah, uh, who, everyone, who wouldn't want that? So, Bosky, I mean, Hamas Rodriguez fanboy one week, Neymar fanboy the next. I mean, wow. All right. Now we'll go over That's to probably, you know, probably the Messi fanboy himself. We'll talk a little bit about Argentina, 100% record so far. Finally ended up scoring a goal that wasn't Lionel Messi in like four years. Of course, it's a little 
misleading because there's only been like seven games since then. But Four games, yeah, no, yeah, I two games that we were given, you know, extremely excited for. We got probably one of the best starts to a World Cup qualifiers that we could ask for. You know, Ecuador, Bolivia, two teams, not the strongest. And that first Ecuador, though, I mean, I was scared. I must say, we had, we played our last game against Ecuador. I know everyone remembers the first five minutes of that, you know, last World Cup qualifier in Ecuador, and that Messi saved us for. So, and they beat us that first match time, too. So, I think that I was scared for that. Not the best game. Messi pulled up. Ocampos looking amazing. I think the Bolivia game, though, that is the one that people really need to understand. Okay, all right, there we go. I like what Boss doing over there. <laughs> that Bolivia game, I mean, just every, I was watching, obviously, everything that they're talking about the week ahead. What, is it, what are they going to do to prepare for the height? Playing in the height in Bolivia is a word, you know? And that's how it always is. When you go to Bolivia, if you're playing in La Paz, you're playing up high in the mountains, you know, oxygen, you need the, whatever, caffeine, all this stuff. And uh, I was scared. First 10 minutes, Argentina were tired. It looked like they were tired, but we showed a lot of strength, a lot of resilience, and good players, you know, players. We showed that we have a national team to fight. You know, we have Ocampos, we have Messi, we have Lautaro, we have Palacios, who played an amazing game that's on Leverkusen. You know, I watched him for River for three years now, and I'm telling you, this is one of the best kids I've ever seen, and he was the best player on the pitch. So I think Argentina should be... Very exciting moments. Hopefully, we can do better than 2018. That's all I ask. Yeah, I want to say, I want to ask you one thing. I mean, yeah. obviously, I, yeah, I did watch these two games. And I watching the Bolivia game in particular, I mean, the first 30 minutes, it looked like Argentina were dead in the water. They were tired. But then so they, got, they got their second win in the second half, and they yeah. were taking the game to Bolivia rather than getting the game taken to them. And, I mean, they looked like they were attacking. They were – energetic. Messi was, I mean, he wasn't walking around anymore, which yeah, I really yeah. never seen. And, that's and, um, and I'm curious to see how they're going to use a player like Papu Gomez, who I believe can bring the best out of Messi again. I, I think that he would work Papu. in this Argentina team. I mean, he's, he's a creative playmaker. I mean, I mean, look what he's done with Atal Atalanta. I wonder if that Scaloni could find a way to use him. Because I, I think feel like that could benefit Messi as well as Papu Gomez. Messi needs that companion. That's all we talk about for 10 years, right? Messi needs a companion. For me, the best ones he's ever had was Aguero and Ryan. Like, come on. But no one wanted that for whatever reason. So I have to say that we have to find someone new. Papu Gomez is an amazing player. Top assist of Serie A. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt that he's amazing. I don't think he is in line with what Scaloni wants. Um, he wants a young team. He wants someone that can be at the prime in 2022. I don't know. I think Papu is probably at his prime right now. And I think you get called up to help. Um, but we do need to find that player because there's no one that's popped up yet. All right. So we went to Bosque for Brazil. We went for Al to Alvin for Argentina. We're now going to move. So that was the international break. That's all we're going to talk about. For for Bolivia, break. right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. So that's all for the international break now that he said that. We're going to move on to the Premier League. And since we went to Bosque and Alvin for those two, Nick, take it away with Project Big Picture. 
ho, this is a utter piece of bleep. That's what I think of it. This is just something that is just, I want to know who the heck, like, like the people that came up with this, because first off, the Premier League clubs were absolutely in the right to decline this. Second of all, I want the BBC to reconvene the weakest link like America has, because I just want to have all those bosses just circled around and have that one person um, just uh, whoever started that up, and I just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would be like, whoever you started that up, your big picture is blank. With seven votes, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I cannot believe you just did I that. can't, yeah, I can't. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's uh, enough said. I mean, he really summed it up. I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I think we can move on to banter of the week. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. Who wants to go? Who wants to go first? You mentioned me. I mean, mine was already mine was already uh, kind of taken, so I'll just go with mine quickly. Um, as as we mentioned before, um, mine was Kamavinga getting Cristiano Ronaldo's shirt and saying he's never going to wash it, and then it comes out that he got COVID. Um, <laughs> I I mean. The only thing when I when I went when I heard Ronaldo had COVID, first of all, I was like, I didn't really believe it because I didn't know robots could get COVID. <laughs> However, I oh, that's got to be the scariest call for a 17-year-old player who's you know he's coming on the scene, he's yeah. becoming his own play, he's becoming one of the best uh, central defensive midfielders in the world already at such a young age, and you know getting Ronaldo's jersey. It must – I mean, it's probably a dream come true. I mean, I know if I would get Ronaldo or Messi or whoever's jersey, it would be nuts. And, um, I mean, I think, honestly, the only player that was relieved was probably Mbappe. No, he didn't get Ronaldo's jersey. Because um, I, cause I, you know he definitely wanted Ronaldo's jersey, especially after their exchange before, uh, before the match. But, I mean, I just thought it was – I thought it was hilarious that he mentioned they would never wash the shirt and then – well, I mean, you may have to do more than just wash that you shirt think, You think they talked about it? You think, like, Mbappe and Kamavinga are both like, I'm going to get it first. I'm going to get it first, and then Kamavinga yeah, just threw it in there? Yeah. It, it had to have been like it, it must have been once that final whistle hit. I don't, Mbappe probably ran. Yeah. Mbappe, did, Mbappe was saving energy to run to Ronaldo. And <laughs> I mean, as fast as he was, how did Mbappe not get there first, though? I, who knows? He's going to get another jersey for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. They're probably both well, to be honest. Yeah. All right, who's next? I can go next. I think for me, there's a banter like was Harry Maguire's week. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, dark humor. I don't give a – I mean, literally this man has made a joke of his career in less than five days. And if that's not banter, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't like the man anymore. I don't. Well, Harry Maguire has Joe Harden his career. Just Did you ever like the man? I like, like you him. don't like I him liked now. It, yeah. And I liked him until, I mean, I think it's all this Greece nonsense. I don't know. What do you think that, you know, he's still thinking about whatever happened in Greece. That's the, the biggest, only thing. No, nah, the biggest part of his career was that meme that came out of him looking at his girlfriend. <laughs> No, I, no, I never thought that one. I never uh, hey, hey, I will say this, though. Harry Maguire, the only thing he's defending right now is uh, assault charge. So yeah. he's defending. <laughs> 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 yeah, because assault charge is soon going to get the boot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all I have to say. A little bit of dark humor. I hope all seriousness. I 
really hope that Maguire can turn it around because if not, I'm screwed. Uh, United need him, need him to perform. All right, I'll go next. Me and Nick both got some tweets. Alan St. Maximin signed a new six-year contract with Newcastle, and he tweeted out the Wolf of Wall Street, I ain't leaving video. (laughs) I just think when players do that type of stuff, I just find it hilarious. Like, this man spent time out of his day to look up the Wolf of Wall Street video and tweet it out. And also, at the same time, for Alan St. Maximin to sign a six-year contract for Newcastle, that is massive. Like, that's mad that he's signing a six-year contract. I think that's the banter of the week. That's yeah, exactly. Low-key, that is the banter of the week. But, Six like, I have to put in something, you know, maybe just in case we have some Newcastle listeners. I don't want to make them too mad. I don't, I don't want to pull a Bosky and have all the Bolivia listeners just stop listening. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had, yeah, to, exactly. I had to chill out a little bit. <laughs> okay. Name name a name someone on name three players on Bolivia that like could play in the top five leagues. Oh yeah, zero. Isn't there that one guy that plays for like name Argentina players? Isn't there that one guy though that plays for uh like what is he? Who does he play for? He plays for like China, yeah, no one knows or cares. No one knows. It's just it's pointless. I mean yeah, Bolivia. Right, fine. Bad. Just keep attacking him. But all right, Nick, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my Twitter bear of the week, FC Spartak Moscow after Cristiano Ronaldo tested positive for the coronavirus said, well, that'll be half of Wolves throwing them out for the weekend. And also, something <laughs> I didn't want to put in there, I know someone will get mad, four four tunes this video of Cavani's first day at Man United. How it started and how it's going. And how it's going? Well, a good half-season post-lockdown of Ole. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Regrets it. Well, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Well, Cavani is going to come in. This, I'm, I'm going to predict this. This will be part of my predictions. Cavani mm-hmm. comes in, scores a double off the bench. The United fans go nuts. And then he scores three goals the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that sounds, that sounds it's, like, it's going to be like, it's gonna be like Lukaku on his opening night in, on United scored like two goals. And then no, just no. was hated on for the rest of his career at United. <laughs> that sounds very realistic. <laughs> or, or, right. or, or, or Maria, or Di Maria, something like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That one chip that basically was his whole Man United career. Oh, that was. Yeah. It was, it was a nasty goal. chip. I mean, we'll give it to him. But all right, moving on. That was the banter of the week. We got about seven minutes left. Predictions, Premier League predictions. A little bit about last week. Not last week. I guess it's the week before. We all made predictions. Bosky is in dead last. He got three <laughs> out of the ten correct. It's because I chose Leeds and some <laughs> other ones as jokes. Okay, come on. I mean, apparently he's yeah, right, apparently right, he was right. joking. Of course, <laughs> no, I wasn't joking. I just chose like a lot of upsets. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure, sure, sure. He got three out of ten correct. I am sitting in third out of fourth with five out of ten correct, and Albert and Nick absolutely bossed it both with six out of ten correct. No so moving into this week. First game, Everton versus Liverpool. I'm going with Liverpool. I think they will bounce back from the Aston Villa. I think it's a big game. It really could go either way. Nick? You know what they say, Liverpool C team seems to always be better than Everton. And even though this will be one of the closer Merseyside derbies in a while, give me Liverpool. Bosky. You already know who I'm taking. Um, I'm going with Everton. I'm going, they're hot. Liverpool's not. And I'm sticking with the hot team. I'm going with Hamas uh, Rodriguez to lead his team.
coming day. And he's going to show Zidane what Zidane was missing out on. That's all I'll say. Liverpool, this is not their season. This is not their season. That's all I got to say. Alrighty, West Brom <laughs> versus Burnley. I'm going for a draw. Nick, who you got? Yeah, I'm, this is probably one of those games where I got to take the draw here. Both these teams at the table, I just don't think any one of them rises above. Agreed. Uh, I mean, this is um, I mean, this is just a very ho-hum game between two teams that really have struggled attacking so far. I'm going to have to go with the draw as well. I, I'm actually going to go with Burnley for this one. I, they haven't had a good start to the season. Um, I'm a fan of Burnley, but I'm a fan of Sean Dyche. I think he's a good coach. They should be able to win against a newly promoted team, at least by a goal. All right. Chelsea versus Southampton. I'm going for Chelsea. I think they have too much firepower, but don't rule out a Danny Ings masterclass. Nick? Chelsea. Chelsea as well. Again, uh, like you all said, too much strength going forward. Chelsea has to get this one. All righty, moving on. Everyone picks Chelsea. Newcastle versus Man United. This is probably a tough one for Alvin to take. For me, I think Man U is going to bounce back. I just don't see that they couldn't. But I got Man U. Nick? Yeah, this may be a tighter game. I do think United takes it, though. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm going to go with United, but it'll be a high-scoring affair uh, with the awesome back line of Harry Maguire, Lindelof, and then De Gea in goal. That's going to be a high oh, wow. Yeah, right. definitely. If there's someone to want to hear us, our answer is definitely wouldn't represent what's going on. But I do think United will win this game as well. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, that's all I can say. All right, next one: Leicester City versus Aston Villa. This is kind of a surprise for me, but for some reason, this came into my mind. I'm going for a draw. Nick, I'm I'm gonna go with Leicester. But I would not be shocked if Aston Villa took it though. It would be interesting to see how the international break affects their form going forward, but I think that, for, at least for this game, I think it is going to be Leicester's. I'm going to go the draw as well. It's, it's one of those ones where I could see either team winning, and I'm trying to justify either, either one in my head, but I don't have time, so I'm just going to go with the draw. I think that Leicester kind of disappointed me against West Ham. Um, Aston Villa on the run. I think Aston Villa should take the three points. All righty, then. We're getting all the boxes on that one. Next one, Sheffield United versus Fulham. Two struggling teams. I think Sheffield United are too good. I think they're going to bounce back at some point. Why not this game? I got Sheffield. Nick? The saying about Sheffield being too good is about Fulham being too bad. I think Sheffield wins this pretty simply. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing I could say Fulham is a Mitrovic masterclass, which I don't think is coming. I'm <laughs> I think uh, I think it's going to be a draw. I think both of them haven't proved much to me. And if anyone's going to be a draw, it has to be a game like this. <laughs> That's probably a good shout. Next one, probably the biggest game of the weekend, Man City versus Arsenal. Maybe a little bit of surprise here. I think Arsenal are going to win. I think their counterattacking football has been their strong suit this season. Man City have struggled in defense. Definitely a hot take, but I have Arsenal. Nick? It just depends on how Man City's defense shows up. Uh, I do think this is a game that they will show up for, though. I, I, I take City mainly off of a WLE's piece of toilet. Uh, I'm taking City comfortable in this one. I think that this is a game that, you know, that this could be a make or break in their season. Uh, seriously, just because this is, a, you know, this is a top six side and they have a chance to flex their muscles on a team that they have more, much more talent than. I think City won the season right. No, I like the I like the the fairy tale stories. 
I could see Arteta pulling one back against his former manager, and I'd love to see that. I think Arsenal are going to win. All right, Crystal Palace versus Brighton. I got Brighton. Nick? I think this is going to end up being a draw. I'm going with Crystal Palace. Uh, two very strong attackers going forward, and I believe that's going to be too much for the Brighton defense. I have to agree with Nick. I think it's going to be a draw as well. All right, in the next game, we have Tottenham versus West Ham. I think Tottenham is too strong, even with West Ham looking like they have. I've got Tottenham. Nick? Exact same reasoning, exact same answer. Tottenham. I say Tottenham's going to be top four this year, and i got to stick with them, so I'm going Tottenham as well. They've got all four of us, Tottenham. All right. In the last game of the weekend, Leeds United versus Wolves, two strong teams. i got to go with the draw just because I think they're both so good and I can't pick one. Yeah, this is one of those very interesting matchups. Uh, I, uh, I like Wolves to, uh, to take this. This is going to be very tight, though. I can see this thing going either way. The team that's trending upwards is going to take this one. I'm going to go with Leeds United. I agree with you guys. A great match. Probably the most exciting on paper. I'm going to have to go with a draw. I can't see them separating themselves out. All right, so that's what we're looking for in the Premier League weekend. That's our predictions. Will Boski climb from the bottom, or will Nick and Alvin continue their dominance at the top? I'm just kind of mediocre sitting there in the middle. I mean, I'm fine with that. We'll see what <laughs> happens. But that is it for this edition of Banter O'Clock. Hope you guys liked it. I'm Ethan Ryder, Nicholas Hodel, Michael Boski, and Alvin Roden. As always, come for the banter and stay for the knowledge.